Praise God. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Sister Sheena, come, Brother David here. All right. Brother David, didn't see you hiding over there. I'm glad he's here today. Praise God. Praise the Lord. I've made it uh, two weeks in a row, so that means I'm almost not a visitor again. Uh, so um, they asked if I'd kind of give a, a bit of a testimony because um, you've all been along for the journey, uh, but you may not have heard uh, some of the details or the way that uh, God has moved, uh, and, you know, as I think about, um, you know, I think everybody's desire is that the elders of the church lay hands on you in the name of Jesus, and you're instantly healed. Uh, I think that's, you know, what we, what we all hope. Uh, I think everybody in here probably has, uh, a story where the Lord maybe has done that, and then a lot of us uh, have the story where we had to wait on the Lord. And, you know, uh, maybe some of us haven't even seen those promises come through, or, uh, you know, we're still waiting on the Lord, or maybe he did it in a different way uh, than we maybe expected it. Um, but to give you a little bit of, uh, and, you know, as you, th you think through things, it's, you know, you think of some of those uh, old songs, uh, even How Great Thou Art, um, and count your blessings, name them one by one. Uh, as a young person, uh, I don't think that you uh, necessarily appreciate uh, some of the lyrics of those hymnals, uh, you know, you kind of get lost in, hey, all the songs kind of sound alike. You know, there are four, four or five different chord progressions, which really isn't that much different from contemporary Christian music. I think they're all the same song um, as well. Uh, but those lyrics, uh, I think the older you get, you maybe appreciate them a little bit more. Um, and a lot of those were born out of people's personal experiences uh, and what they, uh, what the Lord brought to them. And a, a lot of those, there maybe wasn't victory, but, uh, or, or it was delayed. Uh, but to give a little bit of background, I started having some uh, GI issues in June of last year. Uh, and called my doctor, he said, hey, that's, you know, kind of strange. I don't really know uh, what would cause that, uh, but I know that there are some viruses that can, can cause some of those issues. So let's wait a little bit, and if you're still having issues, give me a call and we'll have you in. So we waited, and I think it was maybe August, September time frame, still hadn't resolved itself. He said, well, why don't you come in? 
So we talked about it, and he said, you know, I want to start some tests. Let's get some blood work. Let's do a CT scan. And uh, it wasn't, hey, here's another date. Come back, and we'll do these things or get in line. Uh, blood work was done that day. CT scan was done that day. That in and of itself is a miracle. Those of you that have had to deal with the healthcare system, things don't happen that fast. Uh, and uh, so had that scan, uh, saw some spots on the liver, a mass in the abdomen, but they didn't know really what that was. Um, and so he said, you know, this is now out of my expertise. Let's, let's hook you up with a surgeon and, you know, maybe they'll know they've seen some of this and they'll have a plan of action. So I went uh, and saw a, a surgeon. He didn't know. He was like, hey, I think we need to do some more tests and do an MRI. And then depending on the outcome of that, uh, we may have to do a biopsy. So we did the MRI. Um, which uh, I think I only had to wait maybe a week or two uh, to get that done. Uh, and um, unfortunately, I had to do a lot more work to get that one done uh, sooner. But again, the Lord, we've talked uh, in... Uh, our family life class, I think it's in Isaiah 26, but it talks about how the Lord levels the path that you're walking on. And, you know, right now it's felt like we're walking uphill, which isn't fun, but he goes before and straightens and flattens the path that you're walking on. And that is, has been kind of what it's felt like that the Lord's gone and while we're still walking, we still have to do things, he's made those efforts a lot easier. Uh, so we got the MRI, a little bit more detail, but no real uh, confirmation as to what was going on. So he said, hey, there's this type of biopsy uh, that we can do um, that's less invasive uh, and you know, let's see what we can get it. Well, they got that, and it wasn't scheduled to happen until after Thanksgiving. Uh, and um, I had set up months before a date with my GI doctor towards the beginning of November, and uh, again, not knowing where this was all gonna lead, uh, but my primary care had said, hey, go ahead, get something scheduled because, you know, they're two, three months out. So I had that scheduled, not knowing that, hey, the guy in the same office as my GI doctor is, is the person who had ultimately had the skill set to do that biopsy. And I got in. So, I mean, you can say, hey, that's a coincidence, that's luck. I choose to look at that as God was ordering my steps yeah. three months beforehand yeah. 
so that there was timing and there was already a relationship with that doctor in order for me to get this biopsy. So went, talked to him, and he was like, uh, you know, I think you being three or four weeks out from this procedure is too long. Uh, let me see if we can get it moved up. So uh, that was on a Wednesday, and uh, they got it. They were, said, hey, we can get you in um, on the, the Tuesday before Thanksgiving, and, uh, which was going to be the, the next week. And I was like, wow, great. You know, we're moving up a week and a half, two weeks from where I was going to be. He said, now, you know, it's highly unlikely, but people can cancel. And, you know, maybe we can get you in even a bit earlier. And we uh, came to church Wednesday night. You all may know. Uh, we had prayer right over here about it because Sister Shoshran said, next Tuesday's not good enough. <laughs> and uh, at 8.37 or something, the next morning, they called and said, hey, somebody canceled on Friday. Can you make that work? I can make that work. That's another miracle. What are the chances that somebody cancels the next day after you've prayed. Again, none of this is instantaneous healing. We're still walking, we're still putting forth effort, but all along the way, God's doing little things uh, to, to move us along. And then we moved, uh, we got that biopsy. We happened to be out of town when those results came in and they said, hey, this is, some kind of neuroendocrine tumor cancer. And my primary care said, I don't know what that is. Uh, I've got some friends out in California uh, that may know a little bit more. So he was working to try and get some detail. And uh, they got some more. We talked about it. I had a follow-up. Went and met with the surgeon. Um, their plan was pretty aggressive uh, and it you know when you go to see a surgeon I know this may surprise some of you uh, but their recommendation was to have surgery <clears throat> and uh, uh, so uh, it was well okay uh, I'm not opposed to surgery have had many surgeries uh, but you know I, I felt like there was maybe some more that could be done as far as, hey, not just going in there and we'll, we'll figure it out and as we go along. Um, and we didn't really feel at peace about that. We prayed and we made some appointments with the James Cleveland Clinic and even went down to MD Anderson in Houston who specializes in this uh, specific type of cancer. And all of that happened, met with the James in December, kind of got a plan from them, met with Cleveland Clinic at the beginning of January, met with MD Anderson the next week, and 
had a plan from three different highly reputable places. And Cleveland and the James had two different kind of approaches to it. Uh, but when we met with MD Anderson, we were only down there about a day to actually meet with the doctors. And uh, the oncologist there personally knew the oncologist at the James. Uh, highly recommended her. He said um, this, the surgical team uh, in that department uh, that you'd use at the James, uh, he said at least one of them actually trained here at MD Anderson. Um, so I'm aware of the skill set uh, that is within that group. And uh, he said, I'd recommend you stay there and it's closer to home. And you can say, what a coincidence that a guy in Houston, Texas, knows somebody in Columbus. Or you can say, the Lord's order and steps in putting the right people where they need to be. And, and all of that time frame, so, I mean, we're talking, I, I don't know how many people go through months, years of trying to figure out some diagnosis or a plan. Um, this all happened in a very short amount of time that the Lord orchestrated all of that. And uh, we decided to go with the James. They scheduled, they moved things around, uh, and if I would have gone with Cleveland Clinic, my surgery would have been yesterday. Instead, I've been at home recovering for two weeks after surgery, and uh, it, it has been, they said, hey, you'll be in, in the hospital five to seven days, I was there for three, and uh, said, hey, it's, you're going to have anywhere from four to six weeks of recovery. You're going to be limited in what you can do. That's not to say that I don't have pain. <laughs> it's not to say that I'm not tired or any of those things, but I'm at church, standing up here telling you all that the Lord's gone through. And, you know, it, it's, it's not over. There's still more tests that have to be done. There's still follow-ups that have to go on. And when I think back, and, and those are just some of the, the larger kind of miracles, I think about how Jesus works. And, uh, you know, there are times where he does just, he calmed the storm. He got up, said a word, and immediately, the waters, he walked up to the man possessed with the lesion of demons and said, get out. That happened immediately. But he also healed a blind man, and he got down, and he spit in the mud, and put it over his eyes. The Lord got down, some work had to be done in order for him to be healed. He also healed the lame man whose friends 
I imagine family members brought him up on top of a roof, ripped open a hole in the roof, lowered him down so that Jesus could, he could get to Jesus. Uh, that's a lot of work in order to do that. Jesus' first recorded miracle, people had to go out and fill up pots of water in order for him to turn it into wine. So sometimes those miracles, the Lord uses other people to perform his work. But in the end, he's the one that completes it. And it's his report that, we're, that I choose to believe. I know that no matter what the outcome is, whatever next steps may be, that the Lord's been with me this time, and I can look back and I can say, wow, these are all the places that I've seen just him touch and move things that were impossible in my mind to happen. And I would say in most people's mind, uh, uh, even the date of surgery that I had, somebody tested positive for COVID and they had to cancel it. That's why I got the date that I got. So the Lord, no matter what you're going through, I can tell you the past eight, nine months haven't been real fun. Uh, but if anything, it's made my faith and dedication to the Lord and to follow what this says all the more ingrained in my daily living and the Lord's coming soon so if you've not chosen to make this part of your daily walk to really dig in and say hey you know, I want to be on the Lord's list of people that make it. Today's a great day Amen. for you to make that commitment, for you to be encouraged and, and know times are not always, it's not sunshine, roses, ice cream. Uh, sometimes you got to go through valleys in order to make it to the mountaintop. And, and, and you can't appreciate the mountaintop unless you've been in the valley. Right. So, Lord bless you. I think Sister Sheena's gonna come up and, and give some of her, her perspective and testimony as well. Praise the Lord, everyone. Um, it is a miracle to see my husband here. I can tell you, um, aside from going to the James this week for a follow-up, he has been largely at home and just in the bed. So the fact that you see him today standing, it's huge for me to see as well because you need to understand this is not our daily living of him being able to do things and, and function. He is sti still in the healing phase. But you know, what I think about when I think about that is I think that's what the Lord does with us. Sometimes it is 
a healing phase. And sometimes you can say, I'm here at the front and I'm raising my hands, but I'm still in a healing phase. God has not completed the work with me, but he's doing it. And so you may see me and I may be in a shambles, but I have not given up because I know God has not given up on me. And I want to, for me, I, I, I can tell you I have in so many ways, I, I want to say improved. Um, I feel like through this experience, the Lord has seasoned me. Um, I, I feel like when you go through a situation like this, despite the fact that you can understand when other people are going through situations and they say, you know, I'm weary or, you know, I, I am going through a storm. And, and, and even though you may go through storms, when it's in your home, it's different. When you are living in the same room, in the same space as where your storm is, it's inescapable. And I have come to places in the Lord that I thought that I was already there, understanding I had further that I could go. I told class on Wednesday, I said, you know, there is something unique in your walk with the Lord when you are searching for your support system, saying, I need, I need somebody to help me. And when your normal go-to support system is the problem, what do you do? When you say, normally I would pray with my husband, but what do you do when he is the problem? And it's not his fault. It's not of his own doing. It's not that you're looking at your spouse going, you did this, but in your weakness, this is what my cross is. Your weakness is my cross. So how do you go to that person and say, you are killing me? right now. I am dying because I see what's happening to you. It's killing me. And God said, except I am sufficient for you. I am the strength in your weakness. You don't need the normal support systems that you have clung to, the things that you thought were going to be there, the stabilizing forces in your life. I am the rock and the firm foundation. And God reminded me, and I just want to look at Nehemiah chapter 4, Verse 17 and 18. Nehemiah 4, 17 and 18. They which builded on the wall, and they that bear burdens with those that laded, 
This is the word right here. Everyone, everyone with one of his hands wrought in the work and with the other hand held a weapon. Go ahead. For the builders, everyone had his sword girded by his side and so builded. And he that sounded the trumpet was by me. And what the Lord reminded me is in these last days, you see what Nehemiah was doing was he was trying to build back the walls that had been broken down. Not because something he himself had done, because enemies had come in and crushed the walls. And in our own lives, there are circumstances where things come at us and crush our walls. But what Nehemiah was saying and what the Lord has said about us individually is we are the temple. We are the temple. And there are times when you're talking about, and, and you can say, I you know, I thought temptation was something that was external from me like a sin. My temptation is to do something wrong. I think I have learned through this experience the greatest temptation is to stop building. To stop building. It is the one thing that will keep the enemy continually coming in like a flood if we stop building. And when your walls are crumbling and when you feel crushed and when you feel devastated, the Lord said, you are my temple. Take one hand with a sword and take the other hand with the trowel, everyone. And as you continue your work, don't forget to smite the spirits in your own heart that come against you, your own flesh that says, I can't take anymore. I am weary. I am done. I just want to go to bed. I want to escape. I just am dying on the inside. God says, you take that sword and you say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. There is no flesh, no blood that I cannot conquer. I gave my blood for you. And when you feel that despair and when you feel that sense, that crushing weight, you go, I am not going to stop building my walls. That is what God has been giving me. I had to learn the truth of the scripture that says, God I believe, but help my unbelief. When you go to a place in the Lord that he allows you to go, and you experience that sense of crisis, it doesn't mean that you have offended the Holy Ghost. But what it means is the Holy Ghost can take you through. But I'm going to tell you, despite the fact that I, I, I was trying to reason with myself, is there anything I can do? What can I do? What can I do? 
And the still small voice inside of me said, this is not for you to do. This is for you to wait. And I'm gonna tell you, when we went to the James, we didn't get the best report. His blood levels are not quite right. His liver is not doing what it's supposed to do. He's got another marker that's wrong. And you know what they said? We have to wait. We have to take it again in March to see if it's going to resolve itself. And again, I realized I had built up an expectation. Despite everything that has happened, my human go-to is to say, now we're done. Now it's over. Now we can, we can be on the other side of this. I had done it again. I did it again. And I had to deal with the crushing weight of my expectation being torn down in that moment going, the despair I feel is overwhelming. Why can't it just be done? Why can't it just be over? Why can't you just give me a perfect report? Why can't you just tell me it's all gonna just be okay? And then the Lord came to me again and said, I am your sufficiency. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Those who wait. And I realized as I am going through this experience in my family, God is building something in me. And that is the difference between us and everyone else. Because everyone else who goes through a circumstance, it does not season them. It does not produce good fruit. But when you see a child of God go through a circumstance, there is a sweet smelling savor that follows that situation despite tragedy despite what the world would say is the end there is a fulfillment of a new beginning through him that's not to say that when we have circumstances come in our life that we should not carefully examine and say, God, if I have done anything, I want you to know if you're trying to get my attention, you've got it. Yeah. If, if, if there has been anything in my life or in my family, I want you to forgive me and wash me and cleanse me. And please, Lord, don't let it continue. I, in humility, I apologize. But once you've crossed that, once you've done that, and the Lord says, I'm sorry, it's not anything you've done. But I am. It takes every bit of faith for you to then say, 
and I will just rest in the I am because I have no answers. I have no ability to go forward into March to know what's going to happen. I have no ability to stop cells from dividing or things from happening. But I know who does. And I know that he holds tomorrow in his hands and the next day and the day after that. And until he calls us all home, he's going to help us on the path. And whatever he puts in front of our feet, he will help us to march across it. So I just want to say to all of you, because I can tell you, and I, and I say this in, in, in humility and in, in gratitude, your prayers and your support and your love have meant so much to me and to my household and my family. You have done so many beautiful things to my soul just to be a balm. Cards and food and fellowship and calls and texts and just knowing, you know, early mornings that you've been up with us and you've been carrying this burden. It reminds me that despite the fact that I am resting in the arms of the I am, I have a body who is doing this with me and we are not alone. And none of you are alone. We are together united until Jesus comes. I believe that. And so I just want to say to all of you, I love you and I appreciate you. And if there is anything that you are going through, I know so many of you still continue to go through different things, but I want you to know that just as God is teaching me so many beautiful lessons and that he is real reaffirming my faith in him he will do the same for you he will he will do the same for you let's just lift our hands and thank god lord we thank you this day for your goodness thank you lord for your touch and your healing virtue we give you praise in jesus name You've heard these wonderful testimonies. And I want to tell you a little story. A few years ago, when my son was about 11 months old, somewhere 10, 11 months old, we were trying to teach him to walk stand on his own and so he would stand and I'd let go and I'd say you're fine just tell him all these things that you tell a baby you could do this take a step and he would just stand and look at me and laugh just smile like I am standing look at me I am doing and so finally my wife got him on one side of the room and I got a few steps on on the other side and and she said uh, walk to daddy go to daddy and he just stood there smiling looking at me and then he looked over at me and uh, I said come on come on 
Well, he had a, about six or seven steps to take. And so I said, come on, come on. And finally, he just and fell into my arms, took probably about seven steps and six, seven steps and, and uh, uh, fell into my arms and of course just laughing and smiling and happy and uh, I made it, I made it. And uh, so that was the beginning of uh, his walk and it was, uh, uh, it was a run, his first steps. And I've, since then, I've heard parents would say, my little baby, my little child took his first step. How many did he take? He took two steps <laughs> and uh, fell down and I helped him up for her and, and took another step. And what am I doing? I'm teaching them to walk. And so uh, you say, that's good, get up, do it again. And they keep on uh, until finally they're able to stand and balance and able to get around. And then, of course, it's time to baby-proof the house because uh, they're going to get into everything that you can when they start walking. So you know the story. And I uh, found a scripture, I guess, and I've read through this story many, many times. And then all of a sudden, this scripture just stood out and I kept reading it. I kept reading it. And I said, Lord, this is, this is really, uh, has given me strength and has helped me. And it's found in Job, the 14th chapter, I want you to put this verse up. Job 14 and verse 16. I want you to remember this verse. Job 14 and verse 16. Maybe you know all of this. I didn't know this. I just found it this week. It just stood out to me. Because I know and you know all that Job went through from being the wealthiest man in the East to having nothing at all and his health gone and his wife said, just might as well curse God and die. It's over with, Job. In the 14th chapter of Job, he said, God... You count my steps, for thou numberest my steps. Dost thou not watch over my sin? In other words, what he was saying is, you count my steps, but you don't keep track of my sin, my mistakes, my falling. All that Job went through, he, all of a sudden he realizes, God, you're counting my steps. They're small. 
They're little. Brother David mentioned God directing my steps. I didn't know the way. But God, they're just, they're just baby steps. And sometimes I have a, a misstep and I stumble and I make a mistake. God, you didn't count that, but you counted the ones that I'm going forward on. It's, it's Job, you know what I've been through, but God, God counts every step that we take forward. You keep going. It's only one step at a time. David said in the 73rd Psalm, he said, you know what? My steps were well nigh slipped until I went to the sanctuary of God, till I came to the house of God. I thought I was on slippery ground. But he said, when I got into the house of God, I found I'm secure. Thank God. My steps. Uh, Lord, you're on one side, and thank God the Holy Ghost is propping me up on the other side. Here I am. Thank God I'm secure. He said, the wicked steps are, the wicked are on some slippery ground, but I'm on solid ground. God counts every step that we take. Small, but he's not, he doesn't count the stumbling and the mistakes and the sin. Job said, the sin. He said, God, you don't keep track of that, but you keep track of, I'm, I'm, I'm walking kind of slow. <laughs> In fact, this year, was a strange, I'm, I know I grew up in Minnesota, but this year was a strange year for us because we had some rain, then we had some freezing rain, then we had some sleet, then we had some snow. I couldn't hardly walk outside because you talk about, I either had to hold on to something or because I couldn't walk. And I was afraid to get out because that snow covered that ice and I knew that just one misstep and I'd be down and uh, those sudden stops hurt. And so uh, I said, I'm gonna, God counts every step that you take. They may be baby steps, but you keep taking them. Lord, I'm here today. Thank God, you've been good today. Thank God, you've touched me today. I don't know the steps that they're going to have to take tomorrow, next week. I don't know the steps that I'm going to have to take. You don't know the steps you're going to have to take. But God's counting them. Thank God. If you've never taken a step towards repentance, it may be a baby step. Take it. It's the right direction. If you've never taken a step towards baptism in Jesus' name, take it. It's just another baby step. Thank God, take it because you, God's counting it. If you've never taken the step and been filled with his spirit, take that step. Thank God. If you've never taken a step and said, Lord, 
I need your help. Take it. If you've never taken that step towards deliverance, God, um, it, the Lord says, I'm counting it. They may be small. It may seem like they're insignificant, but just take it. I got, Lord, you're going in the right direction. 19, I got singers come ahead. 1969, in fact, it was in July. If I remember right, July 20th, 1969. An astronaut by the name of Neil Armstrong. We had just, a year or so before that, had taken the church in Lone Oak, Arkansas, 1967. 1969, July 20th, the astronaut Neil Armstrong landed on the moon. And when he did, he said this, and I'll quote it. That's one small step for man and one giant leap for mankind. When he landed on the moon, that's one small step for man, but it's a giant leap for mankind. And God, just take one small step towards God. He's counting it. And God, you keep going. You keep moving. Small, but they're giant. And God, they lead to giant steps. Let's stand. Praise God.